Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This, this right here, I'm just going to tell you right now that this right here is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. Uh, I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Hi, Adam. Wow, it's, man, it's been a year. Uh, it's really great to, to be back for our annual episode, Zach. It has been. We we have evolved in our podcasting. We're now going to do these every year. It just feels it feels better to to just once a year catch up with my friend and record it. No, we're not doing that. That's dumb. <laughs> this is a bad bit. Hey, Adam, how are you? Good, good. We good? We're, we're, I, I'm good. Uh, you Did you have more to the bit? Because I I I saw what you were throwing there, and I had nothing. I had nothing for it. No, no, there's nothing to the bit. It's just, uh, you know, we're doing annuals this week, so uh, we thought are. I'd make an annual joke. Well, you know what? That's your annual joke, Adam. You get one of them. <laughs> I get one joke uh, a year. <laughs> you get one joke a year. But that's fine, because you know what, Adam? You know what? We're, we're going to talk about these these annuals. Thanks yeah. to John. Did you did you know that John went over to patreon.com slash comicsxf dug deep into their coin books? Coin purses? I don't know. <laughs> I say a thing. And no one no one has realized this. This is what the tele it's what the uh televangelist says in the background of the opening to Queensryche's epic album Operation Mindcrime. It's, oh yeah. It's 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 what if you listen very closely to the intro of that song, it says well, "Donate to the Battle of the to the Comics." No, he he says, "I want you to dig deep into your hearts and your pocketbooks." Operation Mindcrime is a fantastic metal album. It is not subtle <laughs> about what it doesn't like, and what it doesn't like is uh, the Reagan era '80s at all. Right there, fair enough. Yeah. Listen. Queensryche has been proven correct on that, and that's the last thing I'm going to say about Jeffrey Tate. Uh, <laughs> maybe. You know what? Maybe maybe we'll talk more about Chris DeGarmo in this episode. It has nothing to do with Queensryche, guys. Hey, if there's any Queensryche fans out there, I mean, like, go listen to Operation Mindcrime right now. It's great. Hey, Adam, John, John, um, which could be my father's name, who oh. is a big fan of Operation Mindcrime. I doubt it's it's very common. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very common name, so probably not him. There's, you know, I've heard there is a first, second, and third John, and that's only of the numbered ones. There's unnumbered Johns as well. <laughs> well, uh, John is starting us off with those uh, those eighties uh, with his request this week, right? Yeah, his request is the giant sized annual of the New Mutants, uh, annual number three from nineteen eighty seven. Uh, this was written by Papa Chris, Chris Claremont, pencils mm-hmm. by Alan Davis with inks by Paul Neary. You know Glennis Oliver's on those colors. And you Tommy Orr's, baby. Tommy Orr's is lettering this one. <laughs> now, this is a sequel to an X-Men annual, correct? Yeah, like, well, you say sequel. Both annuals came out the same time, I or the same year. Um, Isn't that weird? Like, if you were reading this one, you'd think, well, maybe this happened a couple of years ago, but no, happens at 
the same time, I guess. It's like, <laughs> hey, you remember that thing that happened to our, the other people that live in our house last week? <laughs> well, it's happening to us now. Yeah, so this is um, this is the second Impossible Man annual. So uh, instead of Adam, yeah, what are you? We we can't just say yes, the Impossible Man. We all know him. Because um, should explain the know, Impossible Man. X Men X Men fans do not read things that aren't X Men. Yeah. So uh, the Impossible Man is green and purple, but not the Hulk, and is an incredibly annoying guy whose head looks like a very skinny deflated football is that he's like he, a cone head he's from fantastic four number 11 so yep. he's a very mm-hmm. old school character he's mr mix's picklet yes yes he's mr he's he's mr mix's picklet he's he's a mischievous he's, little imp who can transform into anything yeah he has his own kids we've <laughs> talked about him before once uh-huh yep he's just he's just a weird dude he can do whatever he wants. He can take whatever shape he wants. And he's just screwing around. <laughs> well, and it makes perfect fodder for Alan Davis, who can draw just about everything. Uh, because this is a, uh, a duel, a, a fight, a contest of wills between Impossible Man and the equally shapeshift possible Warlock. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird excuse for Alan Davis to draw whatever he wants and say, Hey, Glennis, uh, you're great. <laughs> this is all on you to distinguish this. <laughs> he had to have sent notes, right? Like, they had to be like, Glennis, here's a script for this one. Yeah, I, we know. We know. We understand the line art. It's impossible to tell what this is supposed to be, and you will screw up at one point. <laughs> well, luckily enough, uh, whatever Warlock transforms into, he he does often still have this uh, this sort of bizarre grin on his face, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, Glennis probably did need some notes to figure out, well, the Hulk is the impossible man, and the Thing is Warlock, and probably... They, they have this weird thing with how they... Tra- the Impossible Man shows up and he says, I'll do mischief. And then Warlock is like, I don't want you to do mischief. And then they do, uh, they say, I can shapeshift better than you. And they have a shapeshift battle across the globe. Yeah. Uh, but they start to have rules into it. Like you can only be superheroes and then also, or supervillains, but you have to, whoever turns into the first thing, you have to turn into their opposite superhero or villain. Uh, <laughs> A lot of that Again. seems to be happening off panel because the new mutants are basically just playing catch up. So they get into their graduation costumes, which suck. The graduation uh, costumes are so bad. <laughs> Even Alan Davis can't make them look good. You know, they're really terrible. So they get into the costumes and magic is just trying as best as possible to teleport them uh, via stepping disc to these various locations. And uh, they... They range from a dock to... Uh, like Carnival? Yeah, Rio de Janeiro. They end up at Wimbledon in one of my favorite scenes. They end up They end up in Tokyo, where, of course, the Impossible Man turns into Godzilla, and then Warlock turns into Red Ronin from the Marvel Comics Godzilla comics. <laughs> yes. Uh, he should have turned into Jet Jaguar. That would have been even better. It, it's a really fun excuse for uh, Alan Davis to draw just about anything under the sun. Gets to the point where Warlock is the Watcher 
and uh, Impossible Man is Galactus. You mentioned the, thing. the Godzilla thing. And, uh, you know, eventually the Impossible Man is defeated because Warlock can do something that Impossible Man can't, which is he can change color. Yeah, the Impossible Man stays green the whole time. <laughs> and then he just he gets mad and leaves. Hey, I learned something. You did, which was? Uh, have you ever read Superman Volume 2, number 50? Uh, by jerry ordway what do you think the answer to that is definitely no i mean it was a superman comic that came out in 1990 i sure you could have bought it yes but it was superman and that's not interesting to me it was jerry ordway kurt swan john byrne carrie gamble dan jurgens like that's a that's a team right there cool i'm sure it's great is it good i don't know but mr (laughs) mix's Picklick is like oh yeah i've been out in another universe causing some trouble and he starts shape-shifting into a bunch of things including the impossible man oh get out is, uh, <laughs> is, the implication is that the impossible man is absolutely a hundred percent mr mix's picklick which that's a fun idea i like that i think it i don't know enough about uh mr mix's picklick and listen guys if i'm pronouncing mr mix's picklick wrong um, take it up with the people who threw just a bunch of consonants <laughs> in his name and said, go to town, folks. Here's an X. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I knew how to say that at one time. Mr. Mix, Mixoplixic, or I don't think I'm I saying it right either. Well, doesn't matter. You gotta, He's a little... to, you gotta learn how to say it right backwards. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> little guy with a little purple hat and some suspenders. And he's not unlike, uh, impossible man, you know? So, uh, you know, we get the little uh, gag at the end where Magneto, their current headmaster, comes in and is like, what you been up to? And they're like, nothing. We love you. And then he sees that they interrupted Wimbledon and is like, you kids. It's, it's a very weird ending. <laughs> it's it's very much those rascally kids yes. kind of ending. I don't understand it, Magneto. That's oh, a weird one you did. It's cute. What's also... What's also weird, and this isn't this story's fault, but this story does have the 1987 lineup of the Avengers as Danger Room (laughs) things that they fight. And boy, what a flop era for the Avengers. Listen, I know people love Monica Rambeau. Uh, Not my my personal favorite, but Dr. Druid's here. Mm -hmm. Black Knight is here. Black Knight and Dr. Druid are some of the worst Marvel characters to ever exist. But props to... Props to Alan Davis, who, um, these are not just the Avengers. These are teen versions of the current Avengers roster. And Alan Davis very clearly is able to draw them at the correct age. So, uh, Um, hold on, hold on. Dr. Druid is still bald. He's still bald, which is funny. (laughs) Uh, So, is this um, a good comic? I don't know. Yes, I think this is a really fun comic. Um, it's just light and silly and... Um, annuals are, you know, a great space to kind of just have a good time. And I think this is a good time, you know? Well, here's the, here's the thing, Adam, we rank good times here on this all vibes, all enjoyment, all good times podcast, except for, except for all the bad times we talk about. (laughs) Um, Hey y'all, we have a, this podcast is about a list. Sorry. I'm off my game tonight. I don't know what's up. You're doing fine. I do know. It's been a year. Give it's been a, some slack. It's been a while. Uh man, there's there's a song lyric that's it's been a year since da, 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 da. 
Okay, I don't know. I, pretend I made a Gaslight Anthem reference that Adam didn't pick up. It's okay. He's <laughs> from Jersey. He should understand that. But it doesn't matter. What does matter is that we have 657 stories on our list. Adam, I don't know if you actually like the Gaslight Anthem or not. They're fine. I just didn't think that was a melody much. It was like, ba 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 ba. It sounded like just... No, I was saying pretend, <laughs> pretend, pretend that I remembered whatever Gaslight Anthem song about fast cars and ah, girls yes. named Maria. Yep. Uh that I was thinking of and, you know, longing for a place that's no longer there. Anyway, all those stories, Hawks Pox is the best one. That's the House of X powers of 10. Uncanny X-Men 314 Early Frost is sitting at number 100. And frankly, it's been sitting there for a while. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like we've been we've been in a slump of these are the bad comics. Middle ground. We've been pushing things down instead of. Have we? Because the highest ranked comic we've done in a while is 152. It's true. It's been a while. Also, I... Yeah. Uh, Number 200 on our list is the Arms of the Octopus crossover. Uh, Number 300 on our list is I, Magneto, from Uncanny X-Men 148 to 150. Number 400 on this list is Songs of the Orphan Child from X-23, 4 through 7. Number 500 on this list is the New Mutants 80, 70. The, the time the New Mutants went to Asgard and it took too long. Oh, that yeah. One. Mm. Yeah, the, one, the time that it was too long. Uh, <laughs> number 600 on our list is Spider-Man and X-Factor Shadow Games. <laughs> and then the, the worst X-Men story of all time is the Draco. Of course it is. Adam, how are you feeling about this one? Because, I don't know, our top annual is at 156 which is a Wolverine and the X-Men annual. Well, technically Asgard Wars are specials and not annuals, but it's close enough. Well, there's an annual uh, in there. X-Men annual nine. But is... Oh, no, because they do it giant size. Okay, yeah, they do giant size New Mutants. Yeah, that, that, they did that happen. instead of doing New Mutants annual two for some reason. Um, so anyway, at 190, we've got Web of Spider-Man Annual 2, which is also a Warlock-shaped shifting, shifting story by our Adams and Anne Nascenti. That's where Warlock turns into a Godzilla. Yes. That one's better. That one is definitely better. Um, and I think New Mutants Annual number 1 at 202 is also better than this. It is. Uh, I'm looking at 455. We have X-Force and Cable Annual 1995. Hmm. I think this is which better is... than that. That's we Adam did, Max, we right? Did... No, no, Adam. Wait, which that's... one is that? That's the time the Impossible Man went to the beach. Oh, right. Okay. All right. I think we were is... going to do an all Impossible Man episode, but and then, then we, we realized, realized there are <laughs> only three, and we've already covered one of them. Yeah. Um. I definitely think this is better than that. Uh. I don't think on this. Li- I mean, we have to remember that this is a a Claremont Alan Davis joint, and I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's not one of their best ones. They did all of this stuff better during the cross time caper. Sure. But like at 414, we have the Magus uh, through the dimensions arc of new mutants, 47 to 50. I think this is better than that. Maybe, man, this list is weird. The more I look at it, the more I'm confused at our choices. Sometimes <laughs> Adam, that's I know fair. that's been a, that's been a running theme. I think recently as, as we've gotten older, it, uh, it just can. Yeah, it happens. Um, you know, I, I think we're in this the right is, spot, though, like in these in the in the low 400s here. Yeah, it's like, but what's 400 again? It's Song of the Orphan Child. Yes. This isn't as good as, isn't it? No. 
What's Wolverine's Revenge? Wolverine Volume 4. Oh, that's the one with his kids yeah. that he murders. Yeah. I think this is more fun than that. Uh, this isn't as good as Bishop's Crossing at 398. No, that would be a that would be a hard ceiling right there. Um, but it's probably better than Exile's 62 to 65 Timebreakers. I would disagree. That's the story where Beak saves the world with friendship. All right. Okay. I'll that one's better. That one's better. Uh, That's the Bugs. The, Songs of the Orphan Child, though, I would take this over that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, nope. I just wrote down that this was... I did a copy-paste <laughs> bad. Hold on. Cut that out, Adam. No worries. So I our s- new... Our new number 400 is New Mutants Annual number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we we're going gonna, now? We're going to evolve a little bit and go to X-Force Annual number three. Uh, as we all know, the New Mutants turned into X-Force. Uh, but this isn't about X-Force. It's about, uh, you know, everyone's favorite, favorite superhero team, Three-Piece. <laughs> I thought for a second you were going to say three-piece, and I was like, nah, he's going to say Mutant Liberation Front. No, he said three-piece, and people are probably going, what the heck is three-piece? <laughs> oh, it's a it's a team with the Collective Man, Nua, and Jade Dragon. Yes, uh, three Chinese rebels um, who are, you know, just trying to strive against the communist rule in China. Um and they become a tool. Jade Dragon is not an OC. Jade Dragon is not original to this story. I just realized. No, nor and and I I was looking back. Oh my gosh! Do you know who created Jade Dragon? I'm gonna guess Kirby. Is it that old? No, but it is racist enough to be a Kirby caricature of an Asian <laughs> person. Rest in peace, give Jack. Me, give me. You, uh... you had some interesting thoughts about the East. Uh, it's Jim Mother Love and Lee. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Wait, where it's does he first appear? Alpha Flight, baby. Oh, interesting. We're talking okay. we're talking pre-Punisher Jim Lee. Yeah. Well, and and I had to just glance back at what, how uh, old the Collective Man was, and I didn't realize he was an Incredible Hulk character. Yeah, Collective Man, Collective Man been around for a bit. Yeah. Never good. Just the only Chinese character that has stuck around for some reason. Yeah. So, uh, Fabes is writing this, uh, Michael Ringo is penciling with inks by John Lowe. Um, and the narrator of this story is the post re asgarded Danny Moonstar. Um, and she, she, she has fear arrows now. It's great. Yes. They had to make her very nineties. And I honestly love this costume. I am a big fan of it. She's got sort of like a grifter style mask head band thing going on. And then like you said, the, the like Psylocke arrows, they're, they're pretty cool. I think, I think having the psychic arrows is a great move for Danny only in so much as it makes her powers something more visual that you can deal with. Like, this is her signature of a thing is hitting you to have your powers, not just your worst fears show up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I think that works well. I like the mask. I don't love the rest of the costume. I don't love the colors. Uh, but this is you're like you said. This is about Danny, who has infiltrated the mutant liberation front for means that we do not learn in this story and do not learn till years later. Uh, but she's having concerns because 
Rainfire is running the organization now, and she does not trust him. No, um, I believe she also thinks that Rainfire is, as many readers suspected, uh, a new version of Sunfire. Um, okay, he, but he, Rainfire in this story is I mean, a new sun, version of Sunfire. Sunspot. Rainfire. Sunspot. Oh yeah, Sunspot. Excuse Sorry. me. No, that was Rainfire my is not Sunspot, but this in this case, Rainfire was sunspot does that make sense no it well doesn't. It's it, fine. it does because if i recall correctly they don't really explain that till like x-force 97 so um listen it takes a while <laughs> no one fabian got fired and no one wanted to explain it jeff Loeb was like i do not care for this story i am going to use the age of apocalypse to ignore it uh, Which is weird because it ends on a cliffhanger about Rainfire. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so there is a larger plot here, which I want to get to in a second. However, I meant I, uh, <laughs> I messaged you the other day because as I was reading this, I realized that there is an off-panel cameo in this issue that just shocked me. And I could not believe that Fabian put it in there. Uh, the MLF are on the island where Doug died. Yeah, and, the animator, the animator's uh, Isle of Doctor Moreau that he has. Yes, and who is trying to talk to Danny from off panel? But Bird Brain in a <laughs> wow. This this issue holds the distinct honor of being the most tolerable appearance of Bird Brain <laughs> because it's Bird Brain showing up and be like, Squawk! and Danny be like, not now. I I don't. I, I, I don't want to talk to you. We kept you as a pet for a little bit, and we thought you were human. We pretended you were human, but you were obviously just like a weird bird. <laughs> Last uh, known mention of bird brain, I think, ever. Uh, I was just kind of shocked. Absolutely with, not. With... Absolutely not. No, it shows comes up, back? Oh, shows right. up in the DNA New Mutants. It's Forgot not good. That. Forgot about that. Um, so... The MLF is basically, and Rainfire are using three piece. Um, you know, three piece thinks they're, you know, helping to rescue some of their friends. Rainfire is secretly turning them into the Chinese government so that he can get what weapons or something. Is that what it is? Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to overthrow the Chinese government, uh, the People's Republic of China, uh, and then the superhero team China Force, which again. Apparently, this whole issue is an homage to some Jim Lee Alpha Flight, which is truly bizarre. Um, <laughs> yeah, these are not characters I think most people recognize or, or uh, know about. Um, I refuse to read Alpha Flight, so <laughs> I people tell me it's good, but they're all they're they're telling me, oh yeah, the John Byrne stuff's really good. And is it? I, I don't is know. Is it? I don't know, folks. I've been. I've been lied to before. So this tests Danny's ability to, you know, remain undercover as she, you know, really disagrees with what's happening here. And uh, the story ends with her sort of regretting her decision to, to be on this team. And there's a backup with Siren um, encountering an old lady ghost, which I guess, okay. <laughs> I have no idea what this story that should have been in Marvel Comics presents is. This should have been the last story in an MCP issue. It's Jim Kruger, Arnie Jorgensen. It's so forgettable. I can't tell you what happens besides she met a lady ghost. That, that's it. 
she woke up in the night she met a lady ghost and when she went back to look in the morning there was no more old lady ghost and she uh, was like man cassidy keep it's a it's a spooky place (laughs) that's it uh miserable and magical oh yeah so um i think ringo's art here is you know it's pretty solid uh, it's not the best micro ringo uh like it's not it's not as good as the rogue series well yeah i i think that um you know it's been more stylized in other places but it's it's still pretty good here i mean it's still micro ringo but you know as stories go like this is an x-force annual about the mlf rainfire and three-piece so your mileage may value vary as to whether that's interesting to you or not. Here's what's interesting to me. Here's what's interesting to me. Forearm and Moonstar are friends. Yes. Like, she's like, oh yeah, Forearm, you're cool. Yeah. Forearm, you're just, you're just like a chill bro. You remember how Forearm appeared on Krakoa and he was living with the, his MLF friends in a weird shack and then he was sitting out in a busted couch with a dog next to him and it was like, yeah, live your best life. And now he's on a space station and that's... Al Ewing, you should have let him be a garbage man still. Like, let him <laughs> let him live in his filth. I love Forearm. Uh, do I love Forearm? No, I love the idea that he's a guy with forearms named Forearm. <laughs> That's what I love. Well, it does allow for uh, some of these characters to have a little bit of personality, right? Fabes is willing to show some tension between Danny and Farrell and, uh, you know, allow these characters to actually breathe a little bit. But I will say... Um, you know, Fabes is really laying on the dialogue bubbles, um, you know, the the inner monologue really heavy here. You know, this is, this is a long read for for an annual. It's too long. Um, it's this isn't a good one is the thing. No, I and it's it's one of those that was obviously supposed to be setting up for larger things. And then Fabian Nicieza gets fired. Uh yeah, so that's it, that's it, the it doesn't problem. set up anything. Yeah, you know, you'd think that you've got the sunspot angle here, that Danny's, you know, gonna flip this organization on its head, etc. This never amounts to anything. Um, no, this comes out. This comes out in August of '94. Uh, and when does Legion Quest start? Now? Or this comes out concurrent to Phalanx Covenant. So okay. if you know, if you know your. <laughs> If you know your Marvel publishing of the early to mid '90s, vis-a-vis X-Men comics, you will know that that's like right before Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> right. So all this is going to get forgotten about. Immediately forgotten about. Yep. Uh, so it's not good, guys. I'm not a good one. Looking down the list at 502, we have Uncanny X-Men Annual Number Eight, which is also fairly inconsequential. Um, the art in this is probably better, but the story is just as slight. So I don't know. Which one's number eight? Oh, the adventures of Lockheed, the space dragon is pet girl kitty. Yeah. That one's also bad. Yeah. This one's kind of better than that. This isn't as good as daddy Boros, which is at four 99. All right. So, uh, I think we've got a little bit of a window here. Is this better than that's the return to Asgard arc? Of new yeah, this is better than that. It's not as good as the all-new X-Men arc where they're in Paris and Cyclops gets beaten up. I would agree. Has to live in Toad sewer. Yep. So this is our new 501 X-Force Annual number three. Now we'll move on to something that I said, oh yeah, Adam, this is another weird annual. We should cover it. <laughs> and then he tells me that actually this is part of the Rage Against the Machine event. And I'm like, what? 
Yep. Let me see your event. It's it's just a, it's just a story arc, but this one, it's it's another weird one, folks. Um, well, it's funny remember... that you called it Rage Against the Machine because the first cover, I believe, calls it Part One of Metal Wars or something, and then there is very little like branding on these to make you think that they're part of a three-part story other than the third part saying the senses shattering conclusion and you're like to what <laughs> um it's the conclusion of the dawn of mtech as you should know that's right you know about mtech right well there was uh, a relaunch right of we had it wasn't a it wasn't a relaunch in so much as it was three series that spun out of this bad event mm. uh those series were x51 the machine man mm -hmm. deathlock and warlock and warlock yeah you guys remember in the late 90s when warlock had his own series for like eight issues yes but it's really doug lock not quite warlock? doug lock is warlock no okay 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 so it was a your confusion is part of the issue with this story because this story is really about like Doug Lock accepting that he is Doug and Warlock and he's just going to deal with that. Sure, yeah. This story's not about a lot, to be fair, but that's kind of what it's about. Um, the Louis Simonson Pascal Ferry uh, Warlock series that goes for like eight issues is about there? what it if froze. no Doug Lock's dumb and we just do stories with Warlock again and also there's a pet monkey. <laughs> um yeah that's that's not a joke folks that's what happens in that series is it as good as you want it to be no it's it's fine yeah so whether this is the dawn of mtech or whatever you know rage against the machine part one that it's weird because they they it's not consistent across the three but it is supposed to lead into this uh this mtech uh line and uh, so we've got Uncanny X-Men. You want to do a whole line about some robots. Yeah, I guess. It doesn't make sense. Well, which would be fine if any of those robots were interesting. Um, Hold on. Warlock's very interesting. And in this form? No. Uh, Doug Lock is not interesting. Come on. Uh, Aaron Stack, the Machine Man, is he interesting? No. Does Is he a standout in Next Wave? Yes. <laughs> That's... He was... He was uninteresting enough to be able to be used for Next Wave, and that says a lot about that character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've got Uncanny X-Men 371 here, X-Men Volume 291, and uh, what's, the, what's the annual number? It's, uh, uh, it's, it's X-Men Annual Volume 2, number 99. 99. It's the 99 annual. 1999. Okay. So uh, we start off with, you know, some X-Men coming back from space, space, space and you have an echo button when you edit my dude you don't have to fake it <laughs> it's easier that way space 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 they space, space, space. are in a gigantic scroll spaceship which i guess they decide they can't um land in westchester so they decide to land in on muir island for some reason yeah and then then the former ex uh excal then the former excalibur members are like hey let's just hang out yeah, let's go get well, a brew. We used to live here. <laughs> so Kitty and Kurt and Colossus go do something. That's it. Yeah. And then Red Skull shows up. Oh, oh wait, no, no, no. Doug gets captured uh, right. because By Aaron Stack. Because 
Shield, some bad agents within Shield have captured Aaron Stack, the Machine Man X fifty one from uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, two thousand one A Space Odyssey. Wait, is that wait what? Wait, do you not <laughs> wait wait Adam Adam? Do you not know the history of uh, Aaron Stack, the Machine Man? He comes from two thousand one A Space Odyssey. You don't know about Aaron Stack, the Machine Man? <laughs> I don't know. I just know there were some pretty Barry Windsor Smith covers. And then I looked inside Adam, and there Adam, wasn't Adam, pretty Adam, Barry Windsor Adam. Smith art. So I got disappointed. Adam, I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you about Aaron Stack, the Machine Man X51. Yeah. Well, we should, um, we should, this should be for everybody. Tell me all about well, it. Well, it is, it is for everybody. Aaron Stack, the Machine Man was uh, created as the 51st of a experimental robot soldier thing by the top secret u.s military uh by abel stack and he was raised raised as a human and he was the last one there and he's supposed to help the dream of humans and robots living in harmony together anyway that happens in marvel comics groups 2001 a space odyssey number eight by jack kirby oh get out that is so cool and just yeah, random. he meets the monolith. You know the monolith yeah, from 2001 of Space Odyssey? Yeah. Yeah. He hangs out with the monolith. <laughs> That's so Kirby to do something like that. Uh, well, that that is part of what makes this story so confusing. Not only is it an uncanny X-Men and an annual uh, story, so you have to like follow along when they tell you where to go next um, without any real road signage on the, on the covers, but... Was that lightning? Did you just have oh, a lightning? Oh, that was lightning. Whoa. Oh, no. But, but there's like a bad storm right outside my window oh, right no. here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, but you have you have, you have have your warlock, you have your machine man, and you have a new deathlock. And it's all kind of competing against each other, right? Because like S.H.I.E.L.D. is trying to make a new deathlock with the machine man. And Red Skull is trying to control douglock because he wants control of the phalanx but it's all happening on the same shield helicarrier nick fury is not happy about this and our remaining x-men x-men xx caliber characters are there to try and help out and um there's some some interesting art here right the first issue we get uh not jim but jimmy chung um doing the artwork and and doing something a little more cartoony there which is interesting it is very weird that it's Jimmy Chung. Like, I understand why it is what it is, but it's very weird that it's Jimmy Chung. Jimmy. It's Jimmy. Jimmy! <laughs> uh, then on... Um, we get Andrew Robinson doing the X-Men Volume 2, but then what I really liked was the annual is drawn by Rick Leonardi, um, who I don't know had drawn these characters in a while, but it was really fun to see Rick drawing... Uh, you know colossus kitty and nightcrawler again it was cool yeah uh that part's that part's nice it's just <laughs> so that's all coming through on the mic then yeah <laughs> we just paused for thunder we'll see if that picked up i could hear it folks folks there may be a rain delay in the uh in the recording we will have to see i saw lightning i saw thunder it was a whole whole situation hey you need to take I don't, cover. Uh, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll, here, I <laughs> just shut the blinds. Shut the blinds. It's fine. It's fine. We're fine. We're fine. No, uh, it's just that Alan Davis's X-Men is bad. And is it Alan Davis's fault? Yes, because he wrote it. Also, 
they said, hey, Alan, can you, can you like, do six issues for us while we fill in this new thing? And he said, yeah, sure, I'll, I got it. People like me. I'll do it. And they're like, hey, Alan, actually, we need we need another arc. Can you do another six? <laughs> and it's only supposed to be on three-month stints between X-Men and Uncanny. So they keep doing that for about a year and a half. I I agree. I mean, the uh, the general outline of this story is is kind of weird, and like I said, it conflicts with itself because of the de- various motivations of its villains and heroes. Um, I I will give Davis, and we have scripts by Terry Cavanaugh here. Um, I feel like they're getting the voices of the characters right as as we go through this, um, at least for the core Excalibur characters, which you would hope um, that Alan Davis would would at least have you know his mind wrapped around and i i think they do a good job of that um but the overall plot of red skull trying to get the phalanx and then it ends with Douglock trying to get the Deathlock to kill him uh to kill Douglock because he feels like that's the only way out of the situation um it's not great you know, like, it, it doesn't actually provide for the action you might expect with having these three robotic characters. Ro- Machine Man, the, the most he gets to do is use his extendo legs to help some shield people get off the helicarrier, which is kind of funny. Yeah, his robo-brain needs a beer. Um, he's having a rough one. Uh, so My power absolutely just flickered there. I this saw is... that. I saw that. I was worried. Uh, Folks, were... I may I may need several robots to help protect <laughs> me during these trying times of uh, the weather. So, uh, given given your current uh, forecast, we should probably move like, on. We to should we should this. rank this, and then I should <laughs> I should go hide in my pantry for like an hour. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, folks, did you did you want us to talk about uh, the rise of M Tech more? Because I don't think anyone has ever cared about the. I'm sorry, the dawn of M Tech. Sure, the Rage Against the Machine parts one, two, and three. Um, the uh, is this better or worse than that uh, X Force annual? I, I would argue this is the worst one we. This is the worst one we did today. Oh, really? You think so? Okay. I do. I right. I fully I fully think this is the worst one we did today. I mean, like, not even a question. Yeah. Do I think, here's what I think. Spotlight on the Star Jabbers is at 531. I think Spotlight on Star Jabbers is better. That's the one with Charles Xavier gets the Phoenix Force. Yeah. I, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I'm enjoying the art here, but it's not enough to, like, really boost this story out of the hole. It, it's not great. Um, I see you. 547 is Gen 13 Gen X with Art Adams art, a story that I cannot read. I, it's just I, it's not good. This I think this Art might Adams be better though. than that. I know that well, has Art Adams has, art. This one has good Art Adams art, and it has grunge. This is better than Nova Roma arc of New Mutants at 550. This is better than the Nova Roma arc of New Mutants. I also would argue this is better than Pride and Wisdom. Beauty and the Beast is better than this, though. I would rather read Beauty and the Beast. I'll give it to you. I think that's a much more interesting artistic experiment, so this can be our new 549. Beauty and the Beast is interesting, because it's a failure. <laughs> But, <laughs> but it's an interesting, very failure. interesting failure. Um, and folks, if you are a fan of Jim Chung or Rick Leonardi, I would recommend not for the story, but for the art, checking those out because they're really, they're really cool the way they're drawn. Um, Listen, little, little Jimmy Chung is doing his darndest. He, uh, it's, it's, it's earlier art, but uh, it's still really cool. And you can see where his style is developing. And Rick Leonardi is coming back to these characters and doing a great job. What's so, weird uh, is that I don't think Jim Chung went by Jimmy when he did the uh, Black Knight thing with Exodus. 
hey, you never know. It's always just, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes I just keep seeing the lightning flash on your side and I'm very concerned for you. So we should. Oh, Adam, this is, this is not a small score. <laughs> no. Folks, if this episode is cut short, it's because, uh, you're in danger. I'm, I'm probably like fine. I just, I am just very a near window. a window. <laughs> I am very near a window. Oh uh, man. Folks, so, uh, I, w- I want to say thank you to John, who's not a Queensryche fan, but could be. Go listen to Operation Mindcrime. Go support ComicsXF on Patreon at ComicsXF. Do all the all the things that Adam is doing, because Adam had like some writing go up and all that. Yeah, so guys, you can always follow me on uh, Twitter at Arthur Stacy, and uh, I uh, thanks to Anna Pepper. Um, we are two weeks into my favorite X Men or my my best X Men story, and uh, mine came out today. Um, it'll be last week by the time you listen to it, but of course it is about as guardian wars. So if you missed that, go over to comics XF, check that out. Zach, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to talk about Magneto. It's going to be an episode that we enjoy because we like Magneto. Yes. Love that guy. That's the, that's what we'll say. But until then folks, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!